Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats Cast number 134. I'm Jeremy, and as always, I'm joined with my two co-hosts, Ed Wynn of Tales of Adventure and Jim Casali of CoolStuffInc.com. And speaking of CoolStuffInc.com, we'd like to thank them, of course, for their continued support of this podcast. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% BIOS bonus, CoolStuffInc.com is a store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. And if you were at GPLA, just like our sponsors, Cool Stuff Inc., you may have seen Ed there as well. Ed, how was LA for you since you're finally back from that Grand Prix or Magic Fest? Uh... It was, a, it was a pretty good show. Um, it was a very, very uh, big show. Um, attendance for the event looks like it was over 1,500 players, just under 1,600. There was one point on Saturday where I had contacted uh, some of the CFB uh, staff and said, hey, could we get some extra chairs because we had so many buyers. Um, we, we had people waiting to sell to our buyers and uh, we, we, we tried to pull up extra chairs for people so people could sit instead of standing and waiting. And uh, one of them came over and said, there's basically no extra chairs in the hall. The hall was basically capped to, capped to whatever it was, probably like 1,800 or something uh, between main event, side events, etc. Um, it was full enough that people were sitting outside the hall in the food court to play magic. They were just sitting on the floor. There was a central lobby slash mezzanine area that people were hanging out in. There were a lot of people this weekend. Um, I think this trend of uh, Shell Fireball looking towards getting smaller halls and then capping the event has uh, been a double-edged sword for them. Uh, in recent history, for example, all the ones I've been to, um, uh, Cleveland was was not great because their hall was way too big and it actually wasn't filled all the way. But um, Toronto was pretty much at capacity. New Jersey was pretty much at capacity, uh, from what I'm told. Some of the European ones, excuse me, uh, Prague and Strasbourg were basically both at capacity. So... Uh, I think a big part of that is them getting smaller halls. I remember the last time I was in Los Angeles, the convention hall that they used, it was the same convention center, but the hall was in a different part and it was much larger. Um, but here the hall was way smaller and it just felt like it felt, it felt way busier because even though it was probably the same number of people or comparable number of people, because everyone was just much closer, um, together and, uh, and there, there, it felt like there was way more going on. Uh, I don't think the number was, again, appreciably different, but the fact that we were so close to the main event, to the side events, um, it, made it, feel, it made it feel like Los Angeles was a very good show. That's good to hear. I definitely saw a lot of Twitter threads from Commander players complaining about the lack of space, and it seems like a lot of Magic players aren't going to take this sitting down. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you're Jim. the worst. No, time out. You're the you're the worst. That was just uncalled for. And how was your week, Jimbo? Uh, I've been pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't really have very much to 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 say other than I've been pretty good. Well, that's good to hear. Let's get into the meat of this week. Um, Modern Horizons. 
first impressions before we delve into exactly how a lot of this stuff is going to shake out when they just announced it and they spoke a new Sarah and they're like, all right, we're not reprinting anything um, from modern. It's going to be all new cards or cards that were not legal in modern. So what were your first impressions when you guys saw this? Uh, my first thought was, can they put Splinter Twin in this set? Cause it's not legal in modern, but that was the first reaction and, and obviously not like a serious one. I don't, I don't think any band cards are going to be in this set. That'd be really weird. Even though it's technically correct. Ed? I, uh, I think um, I, I caught part of the announcement because I was actually driving the fact that it's no reprints is a little interesting to me, but I think it makes sense because it allows them more focus on either rather as a whole, it allows, it allows them to focus on how can we change up modern in a new way um, where, where it be cards that are uh, new to modern, like Cabal Therapist, for example. Uh, that That's a type of card that is clearly pushed uh in such a way where it would be probably at the correct level for modern, but they by attaching it to a creature, it's technically a new card. They don't have to recycle Cabal Therapy. Um, and it makes it so that, in theory, they're, the, the addition of these new cards, not just necessarily Cabal Therapist, would be enough to shake up modern on its own. Um, and that allows them a lot of design space. They also mentioned that the world itself is not necessarily tied to any particular plane. So the fact that they use the word cabal is not restrictive in any way. It allows them to use from whatever planes they want. So in theory, we, I imagine there would be, for example, a Theros enchantment type creature or whatever um, that is that's just not um that that's a new card for example like that's one of the things that they can do um and the fact that reprints again um the reprints would come in a different avenue where people aren't going to see you know scalding tarn get reprinted for example or liliana veil but uh older reprints so cards that do need reprints but are again still able to shake up modern in such a way so there's a lot of speculation about counterspell being reprinted i think that is one of the things that people have kind of called from uh, a card that people have called to be in modern for a while. That's probably at the appropriate power level. Um, I think I, I like the direction of the set. Um, the reprints thing is kind of weird. I'm not sure how I feel about that um, because it, obviously we have to expect reprints. It's just now we're looking at what cards can be reprinted um, in modern that, you know, do need reprints, Mox Opal, Lillian Vale, uh, the Fetchlands, etc. But the fact that, again, there's a lot of new design space for them, I think this puts Modern in a good place. I think, realistically, this is going to be the biggest shakeup to Modern because um, this is basically the largest injection of cards into Modern um, that they ever had because most sets were looking at not a lot of cards that really do influence Modern. Arc Like Phoenix was basically the most recent change. It's developed... A new archetype entirely but beyond that uh modern has felt like a little it's been a little stale over the years it's it's been open 
but none of the cards that are newly printed really have a big effect other than one or two standout cards. It ain't legacy, that's for sure. Jim? But but it might be after this set. So uh, a lot of things that I've noticed, or the things that, not that I've noticed, but like things I'm thinking about with this set are what kinds of cards could they... So so I think the biggest... Let me, let me take a step back. The biggest complaints about Modern are, are how uninteractive it is. Like the fairest of fair decks are not very good. They're basically like on life support. Like you can play Jund, but like why don't you just play Storm instead? So what I think is going to happen is that they're going to use this opportunity to print cards that are interactive with your opponent, but don't make non-games. So I don't think that like Wasteland or Caracas are necessarily cards that they want in Modern, but Counterspell is probably a card they want in Modern. And like maybe they want to put like Mother of Runes or... Force of Will. Force of Will. But I, I don't even know that. I think that... So... I don't think that Force of Will will be reprinted because it's already very expensive. And I'm not sure that it's the appropriate power level for what they want. Um, because of what we've already seen, like Cabal Therapist is very obviously an homage to Cabal Therapy, which they deemed was too good, probably, for modern. Like, I'd be very surprised if Cabal Therapist and Cabal Therapy were in the same set. It seems reasonable to me, rather than reprinting Force of Will, that they might print a card similar to Force of Will or Days, but not exactly the same because of power level reasons. Like him maybe think it's too good or too bad. Uh, him the Torak is another <laughs> card that I don't think I don't Mind think they're reprint. That yeah no okay we're getting we're getting like way off the card like I think that Palace Jailer could be in this set and like maybe uh, what is the White Recruiter called? Recruiter of the guard. Uh, Recruiter of the guard. Yeah, like Recruiter of the guard could be in the set. Like, if you're if you're looking for cards that are not like you don't want cards that make the the fair decks worse, but you also don't want too many linear cards. So like, I know a lot of the people are like, oh man, this is an opportunity that they could use to reprint Goblin Lackey or Wirewood Symbiote or other like super linear cards that could help out tribal decks. And yeah, maybe they're a possibility. But honestly, I don't think that they really want to give more power to the super linear decks. So the cards that mostly support those decks will probably not be reprinted. Um, I think a lot of the cards that would be good for modern are on the reserve list, so you can't reprint those. But I think that we're more likely to see a lot of new cards that are important out of this set rather than reprints. Like They could use this opportunity to print some cards that are fine to put in modern, but just like don't do anything. And people get excited about them for a short period of time. Like, if they decided to put a Goblin Recruiter in the set, but not Goblin Ringleader, then people might think that that's a good thing. But, like, probably, you probably can't do anything with that. Like, you don't have enough card draw, and it just doesn't work. Um, so, I'm still hesitant to say that, like, I would go out and necessarily buy any cards that could be reprinted. I think that the most likely thing that I would do is look to see if there's a legacy equivalent of the deck that you're playing and then buy the cards that are different like the difference between the modern burn deck and the legacy burn deck is like four chain lightnings and four fire blast and four price of progress and that's it and that's like probably 15 or 20 dollars worth of cards like you could just buy all of those and insulate yourself about against the reprint which i don't think people realize because this is a this is a set that's priced above 
normal booster sets. It will be an unlimited print run, but it's it's going to be pretty expensive. The cards in this set are not going to be cheap if they're like tier one modern staples. You can't. I I don't. I can't expect a world where like any of the rares or the mythics, if they're like played in modern all the time, will be anything less than like twenty dollars each. And that's being pretty like conservative. So if Chain Lightning is a dollar now and it gets reprinted in, in this set and is legal and modern, like it could be a four dollar, five dollar card. You can save yourself twenty dollars just by buying them now. Or you'd lose yourself four dollars if they don't reprint it. Like I think there's a lot of equity to be gained on things that could go into your deck that could get reprinted that are pretty cheap right now. It's also important to note that while it's called Modern Horizons, I believe in the interview they were very clear that not every card is necessarily pushed purely for modern purposes. Um, they showed the Sierra Planeswalker as a clear example of, of a card that technically, while it's powerful, um, probably not at the power level that modern is at. I imagine that this is also, there will be some, you know, commander-centric cards probably... Man. I was gonna say that you didn't let me go. Feels bad, man. <laughs> uh, probably some cards that are going to be good enough to see legacy play. Um, that's probably kind of the spot where they wanted, um, where they want to be. Very similar to Battle Bomb Conspiracy. A lot of those sets have multi-format implications, and here by if they want, if they are going to charge, you know, seven dollars for whatever. Uh, a pack probably more um then there has to be a decent amount of justification of cards that are going to be reasonably expensive which seems like it might be the case again because we're looking at cards that either have not been reprinted in quite some time in order for it to make its way to modern or cards that um or new cards that people will be hyped for because this is their first printing the type of cards like uh, the Battle Bond Lands, uh, Brightling, et cetera, all these cards that had immediate impacts on the formats they were relevant in. Yeah, so Wizards has really done a good job lately with their two-year plan of uh, paying attention to players. So we've seen Micah and Flattis, we've seen Seedborn Muse, we've seen Doubling Season, so they're going to keep hitting a lot of these EDH cards and these supplemental products. So, like, is Worldly Tutor too good for Modern? Like, we don't know. But this would be a place where a lot of these $10 to $15 uncommons are safe to reprint. If you look at a card that a lot of people don't realize, Lightning Greaves is 7 or $8 right now. Like, this is a perfect spot to put this. Oh, wait, that was that was a Modern. Ignore me. But yeah, cards I was like, like that. Yeah, man, pick a card that can't be reprinted <laughs> in this set. Good job, Jeremy. You know what I mean. Next thing, like, next thing could... you know, you're going to be like, oh, man, this would be a really good spot for a City of Traders reprint. Yeah. Because uh, that also could, can't get reprinted. because They could reprint, like, Thran Dynamo in this, which hasn't been printed in Modern, and it won't really do anything to Modern, but it'll help sell a lot of packs. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's like, some cards that they could put in for Commander, but I think that most of the things that would be for Commander players would just be new stuff. A lot of the commander cards that are really popular are actually newer cards because people just don't have a lot of access to older ones. Like, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of commander decks that are out playing Ubulet even in their mono black deck, even though it's like a reasonable removal spell to be playing. It's just some cards are are much harder to come by, and stuff that's pre-modern is even harder to come by than usual. 
Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. We could get, like, Carpet of Flowers or something. Just, like, random EDH cards. Yo, man, uh, what kind of EDH group are you playing in that has Carpet of Flowers in their deck? The good ones. You you played Mono Red Prison last time I played against you. That doesn't yep. seem like a, a deck that would want to play. Like, I don't feel like Carpet of Flowers is necessarily the thing that your opponent wants to have him play against you. Yeah, we'll see. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? Oh, so uh, Scalding Turn is cresting over $100, I believe, right now on most major retail sites. Yo, man, just buy a Polluted Delta or a Flooded Strand and just, like, lose the 1 in 50 games where you can't get Basic Mountain. I don't understand. Like, Scalding Turn is not that important. Just buy the cheaper alternatives for now. Wait for it and to get reprinted. Do you think vendors are hiking cards up in response to this because they've confirmed that it uh, can't be reprinted in the next couple months? So these cards can certainly fetch these prices, or is it more that it's an actual price? I think it, I think it's actual price uh, with how prevalent arc like Phoenix decks are, basically, uh, and with how Scalding Card is really the factor that's holding people back. Um, it, uh, right, if you have Scalding Tarns, your one, your ability to play several different decks is fairly open. Uh, Phoenix, Storm, etc. Uh, like Death Shadow, um, it's pretty open. There's a lot of demand for this card, and it's it's basically the fetch lands are just always going to be the best land in Magic. Uh, the the best out lands in Magic. Um, I I don't necessarily think it's vendors hiking up the prices. I think one. It's hard to keep this card in stock. We had multiple people asking us about this card over the weekend. I don't believe we bought very many, and the co and the copies we did basically just went out for sale. Like as basically as soon as we got them in, if we any that we took in, we basically put on the case and they sold right away. Um, it just it's just so hard to buy this card. Um, buy this on this card keep creeping up mainly because vendors want to stock them, um, and. Uh, and just being able to sell for, for more and more, right? Like if you if you sell out of this at eighty five dollars, your logical reaction is, oh well, I don't have any stock. I should price it at eighty eight dollars. It's probably gonna sell, if it sells out eighty eight dollars, it should be ninety dollars, etc. Um, if you look on TCG itself, uh, there's not very vendors that have a lot of copies. Um, this is not the type of card your people are going to be buying out, right? Uh, there's no vendors that have a ton of copies. It's just the few that they have. It's not. It's hard to just buy the buy them in large quantities. The most you're ever realistically gonna buy is if someone sells their Arclight Phoenix deck or whatever, and you have four, and then you're probably going to have a few customers that need their third or fourth copy um, to pick up from you. So, um, I, I think the price is real. Um, it's hard to make a lot of money, even if I had deep pockets, for example, and I wanted to buy this card out. Um, it's it's not it's not the easiest thing for me to flip a ninety dollar card or a hundred dollar card and turn it into what hundred and fifty, right? Even that's technically a fifty percent markup, but that's so much easier for me to do with a card that's I can buy when it's five dollars and be able to sell for seven point five dollars. It's fifty percent markup either way, but there's a lot less risk and it's it's much easier to to deal with five dollar card than with something this expensive. And what are your thoughts on surgical? Uh, surgical is kind of in the same boat. Uh, I think just it's particular play. I personally, I don't think the card is good. 
the particular place it is in modern, the fact that it's uh, it's um, able to be played by any deck. It's free. It's instant. Um, makes it particularly powerful in this metagame. For example, like surg like surgical extraction has been legal for years in Legacy, and it wasn't. <clears throat> excuse me. It wasn't necessarily the go to graveyard hate um, until Black Red became a thing. Until Blackbird became a thing? Blackbird Reanimator. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, right, but Legacy more or less has the same graveyard options. People usually prefer uh, a slightly uh, more specific level of hate. The fact that it's, you know, it's a free spell uh, makes it interact favorably with Arclight Phoenix itself. That's why you see people playing one or two copies main deck, because it's technically a free roll, and it has... Just inadvertently, there are some good strategies that it has with the format itself. Um, uh, so, to a lesser extent, that's why extra people are starting to play extirpate. Um, some of those interactions that are made possible, um, extirpate indirectly counters, which is why it's getting expensive. One, it also because it's a much more budget version of surgical because surgical is now you know sixty dollars or whatever. Anything to add, Jim? Um, yeah, unlike my previous thing where I said, hey, just buy Polluted Delta or Flooded Strands instead of Scalding Turns, I don't really think there's a, like, a legitimate option if you want to play Surgical. There's only one thing that you can do. And with how linear decks are these days, Surgicaling one thing out of their deck can sometimes just bring a deck to its knees. And I, I understand why people play it. I think they probably play it too much, but... It it blows my mind that that card is expensive as it is. Yep. Uh, Ed, who won the credit winner this week? Since it's all on you and not on Jim. Uh. All right. I forgot what introduction Jim uses for this. Uh. I also close the tab, so I don't. I I, pre I read the person's name and then I read their question and then I answer it. Uh, okay, let me find this person's name because I closed the tab. Man, um, Ed is a real professional today, let me tell you. I He's like, oh, you, you didn't pick a question that I think is very good. I'm going to pick a question I think is better. and then Jim's from New York, it. right? Originally? Yeah. yeah hey, why? so this guy asked a question here when I was walking here. and he, not, I can't do a New York accent. No, you're just doing a Jewish accent. Is it? It's there's a there's like a particular kind of like Jewish New Yorker accent. It's what, Bernie, it's what Bernie Sanders has. Yeah, well, it's a good thing I'm oh, Jewish. Sorry, Ed, Bernie Sanders. What's the guy's name? Uh, congrats to Logan Core for being the winner this week. Uh, relatively straightforward question, but I think this isn't something that we've touched on in a while. Uh, the question is: Hey guys, I've been sitting on three unlimited Moxon, a Pearl, a Sapphire, and a Jet. And I've been thinking about selling them. Is right now the best time to sell? Um, again, this is a relatively straightforward question, but we haven't exactly talked about old school reserveless type cards in quite some time. Uh, one because it's not really been on people's radar. Um, so except big. Sure. Um, uh, it's also one of those things where you know concerns about power aren't necessarily something that people really focus on. 
Um, uh, in my opinion, I think unless you're hurting for money, selling these types of cards is generally isn't the right play. Um, there's enough of there's enough movement on this card that uh, entry to market is you want it to be somewhat slowed. Uh, for example, the number of pow uh, power that you want to have in your display case. Uh, if you look at most vendors, most vendors don't have a full set. Uh, that's probably an appropriate place to be. Moving those sets is usually best done at GPs uh, with a lot of visibility. They're the type of things that people want to see in person. You, you know, most people probably aren't comfortable buying a piece of power online, deal and having to deal with. Um, they want to verify authenticity, obviously, but being able to see the condition of person and uh, not having to send you know multiple thousands of dollars online. Um, but but again, back to the original point. Um, not having a lot of these is fine uh, because there's upper limit to how quickly you can sell them. For example, if you brought me these three pieces, you came up to the booth, um, I would probably look at them and say, oh, I could probably pick up two of these three pieces because I, if I have a bunch of sapphires already, I might be less inclined to buy a sapphire and I would give you a lower price than what I would normally because I already have a sapphire in stock, for example. Um, but if I don't have this card, if I don't have one of these, then I'd be more inclined to buy at a better rate. Um, and that's just keeping in mind and trying to be cognizant of my cash flow because this, like, this, it's really easy to buy a lot of these and get and put a lot of capital into it and just have it tied up. Um, your margin on power necessarily isn't great. For example, I imagine if you're going to sell them, you'd probably want something it's not your traditional tg player card right you're not paying 70 percent of low or 66 or whatever people out there pay um you're probably looking to get 85 85 ish percent or so so leaving you know a 15 percent uh a 50 percent margin on it that's not a lot and while they're technically pretty liquid it's hard to justify only in large quantities because Again, you're not making a lot per transaction. A lot of it is there for show. Um, for that reason, I don't think you're necessarily needing to sell at any point because it's very similar to trying to buy and sell gold, for example. Um, everyone knows what the spot price on gold is. And if you go to any pawn shop or any we buy gold type places, they will almost always give you like 97% of what spot price is on gold. Um, because gold is... Not the most liquid asset, but it's relatively stable, and there's just a lot of people out there who want it. Um, I think personally, um, with taxes around the corner, with taxes have been tax returns have been de delayed this year. Um, you want to wait until prices start to increase a little bit. Um, the fact that we talked about Scouting Tarn is more or less a perfect example. Um, if you have a player who isn't cute for London who might not be doing many more modern events this season, they might be looking at, if Scalding Tar is $100 and you have vendors out there paying $75 Scalding Tar and they give you a buy list bonus on top of that, this might not be the best, This like, or this might be a reasonable opportunity to use this, uh, to trade those Scalding Tarns into something that's more stable. We don't know what a reprint for Scalding Tarn looks like in the future, but I'm okay, you know, using this inflated price for modern staples um, to get into the next thing, as it were, and this this more you or less happened. Get an underground C. It's sort of the same thing that happened in twenty thirteen. 
Right. This is going to more or less create a cascade effect. Um, if if now you know scholarly, people with scholarly harms are moving um, are moving into legacy cards, for example, all this is doing is ca causing the price index for modern cards to increase, which will cause legacy cards to increase, which in turn, like what happened last year, will cause power to increase. Um, this always happens. I think it's better to try and wait and r ride that wave going up. If it does happen, I imagine it'll probably happen in the next few weeks, probably four weeks or so. Um, but I think like right now, unless you're hurting for money or whatever, there's not really any urgency to sell. Did you know that scolding turns are the same price in Japan right now as they are in North America? I actually did not know that, but it's just something to keep in mind. So, well, what is what does that signify? Are they usually more expensive in Japan? It's normally a premium, way more. But Hariya and most of Japan right now has them for the same price as America. So doesn't the, that, doesn't that imply that they're going to go up more because in if Japan, ja yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, just interesting. I was just looking at some websites. Uh, but good point about the power ad. Um, I think it really depends on how bad you need the money. So, I don't think power can go up. Well, like, Pearl was like 450 back in 2012, 2013. And that was like Cart Kingdom retail. So, Pearl, for example, has basically tripled assuming you have a nice condition one in three or four years or five years. So you've made triple return in five years. I don't think Pearl can reasonably triple again in five years. So if you've already tripled your return, just sell out and ignore like the 10% bump or whatever that you're going to make this year and throw it in like stocks or something or like go on a trip. That's what I would do. So like, you can wait, but if you've already tripled your investment, like money is money. And uh, no one's guaranteed to be paying, you know, $1,500 at the end of the year for a pearl if finances are tighter than last year. So there may be a case where Europe buys up all of our power again during a recession, uh, but we just don't know. And the market really hasn't been tested like that. Like market confidence wasn't necessarily at a, a low uh in december november but prices fell a ton so if we get like an actual recession it'll be weird to see where all these prices go because so many people have so much money tied up in their cards so jim uh i don't really have anything to add about the power that's mostly out of my wheelhouse all right so ed where can he claim his credit this week oh no i'll do this oh, so yeah, no, I'll save Ed from this one. Uh, so send me a message, uh, send me, sorry, an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com and I will get you your $25 gift certificate. It's coolstuffinc.com. If you'd like to win next week, you need to leave a comment on the article that will go up uh, Tuesday, March 5th. And uh, if you get selected, you can win $25 of coolstuffinc.com store credit. All right. What else would we like to talk about this week? Uh, I don't know, man. You said there was a lot of things to talk about. What a lot of things do we have to talk about? Besides Modern Horizons? 
And uh, I mean, Modern Horizons is pretty cool, um, but we don't have really a lot of information about that. Uh, I believe they announced that there's going to be a commander set in August. So free money. Yeah, well, I mean, free money or, you know, make sure you have like $120 if you're a commander player to be able to purchase all four decks again. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else? Any other interesting tidbits that you have for us, Jeremy? Um, ensuring collections. I feel like we've talked about that, though. Yeah, I don't think that that applies to too many people either. Sleeve finance. So sleeve finance. Arbitrage. I, I mean, mean did you did you did you guys see the new dragon katanas? shield sleeves that they're making? I was talking about the katanas. No, no, I know. I well, but did you see the new dragon shield ones that are coming out for Easter? The, no. It's a it's a dragon holding an egg, and it has bunny like bunny ears. Yeah, they're actually, do you they're like actually, them, or do they make you hopping mad? What does that even mean? What like is hopping bunny. mad? Yeah, but like, that, was that too hairy of a pun? Jesus Christ, man! You're just <laughs> you like you're like oh man, I, I I said something dumb. Let me double down on that dumb and see if I can make it better. Exactly. Uh, All right, that one was like almost good, but still bad because you've all you're still in this hole. Well, I'll keep trying. Uh, Ed, Star City recently raised their buy price on basic lands to eight dollars per k. Thoughts? Um, well, I did not realize that. Uh, Star City is exactly the side I've looked at ever since they dropped their buy prices last year. I think they've since then realized that they can't solely go on a business model that relies on them giving a 50% trade bonus all the time, especially when it's harder to buy cards from them. Um, I used to I used to want to bank a lot of Star City credit, and then as of late, it's not really been something that's on my radar. Um, I think the fact that they're, you know, now they mentioned that. Um, I think that's interesting. I don't know if that's something that's sustainable. Um, I imagine that it's a fairly attractive number. That's the type of thing where someone, some vendor out there, will just drive a truck that has, you know. 25 Ks of basics or something uh, just that they've just been amassing over the years. Um, yeah, right. And just, they're just going to drive it down to star city and star city will, will be good for however long it takes them to go through all those basics. Um, I think again, that's not really sustainable. You see these every once in a while. And then again, you just have some vendor, probably one single vendor is enough to, to, fulfill their needs on it or whatever um i think I, I wouldn't look too much into it that's again there's no shortage of vendors out there who have a lot of these uh types of things uh, i know for example i have several 5ks of basic somewhere actually now that portland i probably should dig them up but whenever i'm filtering through stuff um basics don't get thrown out they just get thrown in a box it doesn't matter how worthless it is it doesn't matter if it's you know a what set are we on? Like a guild of a guild of Ravica, Neuronal basics and guilds of Ravica, an M nineteen basic <laughs> or something. It just gets thrown in a box, and just I just don't think about it. Um, they don't get thrown out, but because there's always people out there who need basics, um, especially you know stores like Star City. Um, 
I mean, if, if you have a bunch of basics, like go ask your LGS if they'll buy them from you. There's a lot of stores that, you know, run out of basics during like pre-release events and uh, drafts and stuff. Like they're not buying the basics to sell them back to people. They're buying them so that they can have basics available for their stores. Right. It's just kind of a pain to move it unless there's a lot to move at once. Yeah. So. As far as other BIOS finance goes, Channel Fireball, or not Channel Fireball, Card Kingdom recently raised their buy prices on basically all reserveless cards again. ABU hasn't budged. They're still doing their credit thing. Um, but we're starting to see shops uh, raise their BIOS prices on reserveless. The weird thing is, based on what I've been seeing, sealed buy prices have been going down. I think it's just because like sealed product boomed last year and now like shops have like 15 boxes of $3,000 Urza Saga that they can't sell. There's a lot of sealed product coming onto the market lately. So I don't know if Ed personally invests in sealed product or like picks it up and throws it in a closet, but it seems like a lot of it's coming out of the woodwork. I think sealed product is also one of those things that generally does better around the holiday seasons. It's easier for someone to who who's necessarily super familiar with magic want to gift an entire box rather than have to go through and deal with picking out singles. Um, there's definitely ways you can kind of mitigate um, mitigate this as a store. I know some store owners are pretty keen on packing out boxes. Uh, Again, technically more efficient to just sell the whole box in one go and take a small loss doing it. But when um, back when I was with working Corwin's and we were running boosts, we had a lot of success um, just opening boxes and selling packs individually. Um, oddly enough, that's how actually how I met Jeremy. We went on a massive pack war frenzy. Allegedly, I think I lost like two grand the first time. Yeah, I think I think we went through a box of Zendikar or something. And German uh, FBB with our sponsors, CoolStuffInc.com. Yeah, I was about to say, didn't you buy the the stuff from Cool Stuff? Because I know they're one of the few stores that'll carry like rando old steel product boxes, but sell the individual packs because it's a uh, it's it a pretty easy thing. German huh? FBB box. The entire box was Packward. Oh, I think. Was yeah. there anything good in it? You open like three duels. Every box of of FPB has of every box of uh, FPB revised has three duels in it. There was a Taiga, a Tundra, and a UC. I think it was bad. Cool. So uh, I was gonna say that cool stuff usually has like rando sealed product box, like rando sealed packs to uh, to sell people at Grand Prix because it's like a pretty common impulse buy. So they'll have like master sets and. Unhinged and other way or unglued, no, unstable. The most recent one, like weird stuff like that, or like conspiracy packs available to purchase. Jim, before we sign off, what's the stupidest pack you've opened? Like either in a good way or like why did I spend this much money on it? Uh, what what it like? Is it was it like a bad idea in theory, or was it a bad like outcome? Yeah, did you like spike a, a pack opening or did you like spend your month's savings on something and cry? Uh, I pack word like a $20 pack of Urza Saga and I won. So what did is you that? Win? Uh, I won a 
I think it was a show and tell before it had been reprinted. So it was like 60 bucks. Uh, my rare was a Zephyd, which is basically unbeatable in pack work. It's a three, four flying shroud. Oh. Ed, you got some good stories back from when you were a degenerate. Uh, I mean, we did things like what there's that beta opening last year. I've opened a lot of packs. I opened up, I want a Arabian Nights pack on a pack war, opened it, and it had the Juzam in it. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I lose track. Um, but we opened a beta pack last year. I got the island as a rare, and then I also, opened oh it gosh, that's. It's on YouTube. There's like 10,000 views. Of you opening an island as your rare? Yeah. Man, aren't I, you so glad that they learned not to put basic lands on the rare wait, sheet Wait, let me anymore? check how many views this has. I may be YouTube famous, finally. I also have never got gone that beta pestilence, I think, that I won. I'm like 90% certain you never get Oh, really? I, I think and so. Probably sitting in a stack somewhere. Hooray. I'll have to find that. You're going to be at Kyoto, right? Yeah. All right, I'll probably bring it there. Jeremy, you're not going to find it by then. I mean... <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell him what he can and can't do. And, is, and if yeah. you don't find it, it's also not going to be a dear mitt pestilence. Oh, God, Jeremy. You're oh, right. it has 14,000 views on YouTube. And Jeremy, popular. You're, you're, you're yeah, are you, you going to retire on all that sweet YouTube money yet? You know it. Um, anyway, yeah, I'll find that pestilence, Ed. Back to our original point. Uh, seal product, I think, is the type of thing that will always do well. There's always going to people be people out there who like to collect sealed boxes. Um, if, as a store or as an individual, you want to piece out uh, the box, there's you can definitely find some creative ways to do so. Uh, Chaos Draft has always been popular. It's it's a good way to pack out product, especially if you have a if you're trying to uh, launch a full one, trying to get to 24, you need a mismatch. So if uh, as a store, you have a bunch. You can usually sell 24 random packs. As a lot, they tend to do fairly well. Um, but again, I think now is just not the not the best time to be selling seal, full seal products. You more or less want to wait until the holidays when people are looking to splurge more money on a single bigger purchase if you're trying to go back and buy like a box of, I don't know. Like a box of new Frexia or something. A box. I think it's like I think it's like six hundred dollars a box or five hundred dollars a box. Um, Zendikar is like eight hundred, I think. Zendikar's uh, Zendikar is uh, like high seven, I think, close to eight. Yeah, yeah. that's that's insane. Yep. I when I when I after I quit Magic for a really long time, I came back and I bought a box of Zendikar and a box of new Frexia, and I think I paid like two hundred fifty dollars total for both of them. So hearing those numbers is kind of insane. I wish I would have not opened them. Yep. Uh, so speaking of booster boxes, let's go ahead and pack this up. Let's get into our pick of the weeks. Ed? Wow, that was quite the transition. Uh, my pick this week, because there's nothing really exciting happening standard right now, is actually a commander card. Um, deep, deep glow skate. Uh, this card only has two reprints. Commander 16 and the most recent Commander Anthology. I think Commander Anthology 2. Um, this card is very, very popular because of its effects. Um, for everyone who doesn't know what it does, it is a uh, it is a 5-mana 3-3. It's 4 and 1 blue. When it enters the battlefield, double the counter, the number of each kind of counter on any number of target permanents. 
Um, obviously, very, very commander-centric, works with a lot of different things, uh, plays very, very well. If you look on EDH Rec, uh, it is the third most played blue creature. It doesn't see a lot of play in decks, but uh, it's only in like 4% of our made decks of 154,000 decks that they have in their database. But um, as a vendor, it's quite hard to pick this card up, mainly because uh, because there's only Commander Anthologies and um, Commander 2016. Uh, we're past the point where we can where we can just open up product to get this. Um, you don't really buy along at GPs or even in store, for example. Uh, unless you're specifically buying uh, like a blue commander deck that someone is trying to piece out. Um, and generally because they keep their cards, you just don't see a lot of copies of this. Supply has been dwindling quite a bit on TCG Player. And now the cheapest copies are actually $9, which was more than, which was, I think, uh, like 50% more than when it first came out. It, uh, when it first came out, I think it was like covering around 6 or $7. Uh, it dropped especially after commander anthologies came out with the reprint it dropped to as low as three or four dollars and now supply has basically plummeted um i see 14 list 14 listings of this card on tc player uh from the commander anthology 2 series and then 40 listings for the original commander 2016 and again this is the type of card that it's not really that easy to reprint and i imagine once these disappear this is definitely the type of card that would just solidly be $20 just because of how unique the effect is and how much plays it plays these. Jim. Um, so my pick of the week is a card that I think is going to get reprinted in modern horizons. I think it's like a pretty reasonable thing. And although that sounds a little backward, I think that the additional demand for the card, if it does get reprinted in Modern Horizons, definitely outweighs the uh, the negative of of it being reprinted. So my pick this week is Mother of Runes. I think it's a card that's like very reasonable and fair decks, which is why I think it's likely to get reprinted. It's not the kind of card that's going to make degenerate decks more degenerate, but it will give you more action if you're playing like a human's deck, for instance. So I think they're like three dollars right now and. If they get reprinted at uh, rare or even uncommon, they'll probably be like ten to fifteen dollars if if they're available in modern, uh, at least for a short period of time while people have to rush out to get them and and try them out in their deck. Thought said. Uh, I was not paying attention all the enough to what Jim was saying. I'm sorry. I said Mother of Runes is a good pick because I think it's a reasonable card that they could put in Modern Horizons, and if it's an uncommon or a rare, especially if it's a rare, it'll be very expensive afterwards. The foil is only $35. I sold a couple of them last week. Which foil? The Versus Legacy. Jeez. There's, there's, there's three foils, right? There's a Master's F&M. foil, there's a there's yeah. an FNM, and then the, the Legacy one. Yeah, and the legacy one was like sixty for a while, but just because foils in general have been going down, the card's been going down as well. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an unreasonable pick. That's definitely the type of card that has a good home in modern. I I don't necessarily think it's too powerful, mainly because modern isn't the most creature centric format. There's a lot of 
degenerate ways to get around creatures. Uh, I think it's I think it's a good home in modern. I think it is the type of card where it would basically be enough to maybe push death and taxes, Hildrazi and taxes into a more uh, prominent place in modern. Again, I don't know. This is just speculation, but again, it it would be the type of card that would definitely be able to shake up modern if it existed. The fact that the presence of it existed. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad pickup. If it were to get reprinted, I imagine old ones would climb quite, quite a bit, especially uh, FNM promos. So I, I don't think it's a bad pick. I, I like it. I, personally, I don't think it'll be reprinted, but who knows? Why not? Um, I, I think there's... Uh, one, because I think the protection mechanic has kind of gone away. I think they've done away with that, if I remember correctly. Maybe I don't. It, it, they're not doing it as often in standard legal sets. But this is a set that has Cabal Therapist, which is like a really messed up, weird templated card. Like, this is not for like newer casual players. This is supposed to be for the enfranchised player. So, like, I don't think that that necessarily is a stickler point here. Hmm. That's fair. That's fair. I, I just don't, I just don't think it's, it's where modern, it like, what, what it would, not benefit modern in a, a meaningful way. Like maybe it makes this fringe deck playable, sure, but I don't necessarily think like it will have any sort of profound effect. Hmm. I've got a pick this week. It is not the Alpha nine point five Lotus that actually sold for one hundred and sixty six thousand dollars plus six dollars shipping. Um, my pick this week. So Steve Wozniak, if you guys saw. Uh, you should a, just stop before you get too far into this. <laughs> I already know where you're going, and yeah. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> this is a fun so topic. My pick of the week is uh, Grim Monolith for four different reasons. Um, Eldrazi, Post, and Legacy is getting more prevalent, and it plays four of them. More and more EDH players are continuing to play EDH. Um, and with an EDH... I guess centric product coming up. Uh, Grim Monolith can only go up. Yeah, Ed, I was going to get you at the beta starter. Um, I, I was holding like that. It's like, wait, I have two more reasons. So Grim Monolith hit a high of one hundred and fifty dollars. It has since receded back down to about a hundred bucks. Uh, you can find them on TCG for cheaper. The spread two weeks ago was thirty-two percent. It's down to twenty-three percent and rising. Basically, all game shops have uh, raised their buy list on this, including Star City and Channel Fireball. So, like before, even Star City and Channel were paying like fifty or sixty, and they've since raised that another ten dollars. You have Card Kingdom paying twenty-two percent spread right now, twenty-three percent, um, and it's just a card that's very good, and it's on the reserve list. So you have Legacy reserve list. It's hit a high before, and it's going up. It's a four of in a competitive legacy deck. It sees cube play and EDH play. So this is one where the spreads are starting to tighten. So keep an eye out. But yes, also buy a beta starter. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, I don't really have thoughts about what you're talking about specifically, but I do have thoughts about... Well, I have a question that I'd like to ask. So... We can uh -huh. finish up talking about this, but I have I have a question before we close out the cast. Is it related to the sealed beta starter? 
No, not at all at all related. Sure. Okay. Uh, Jeremy, do you want to talk about that since that was kind of how you let us off and then just completely sidetracked? So Waz collected magic product and then he sold that magic product. That's it. And did it he was sell like six it was he... six figures of cardboard, but still. Did he actually sell it? I, I just... think he sold it. Okay. So everyone who doesn't know who Steve Wozniak is, he is the co Some random dude. Some Joe Blow. Uh, all right. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he is one of Apple's co-founders. So, uh, and then someone posted on Twitter that there was... Uh, Menendian. Stephen Menendian um, uh, posted on Twitter that he... Uh, that Steve had uh, quite a few sealed um, old boxes, including the most notable one is a sealed beta starter... And box, uh, a, a, box. A, sealed, a sealed box of beta starters, rather significantly yeah. more impressive than a sealed beta starter. Um, and there's also an unlimited, uh, a sealed unlimited box of starters as well, among other things. So, and a booster box, yeah, and, and a booster box, quite nifty, quite cool. Yep, um, Jim, but, what's your question? Uh, so I forgot about this for a while, but recently just like I was just scrolling through social media and got reminded uh -oh. of this. Uh, so do you guys remember the Death Baron M19 like con, con promo? Yep. Those cards are much more expensive than I thought they were. And uh, I'm, I'm so to, to segue this into like the end of the cast, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, I'm going to be at Emerald City Comic Con. And Cascade Games is running a bunch of magic events there, and it's like you, you it mean a real get... TO? Sorry, you mean a real TO? Uh, sure, whatever. I mean, I I meant Cascade Games LLC, but like you could say a real TO if that's what you want to say. Uh, but it says that you get a Death Baron promo card with every entry. They're they're selling for fifteen dollars. Should I just enter every event that costs ten and like drop immediately and sell the promo? Yes. So it's like GP Chicago, where everyone got two promo batter skulls because pastimes didn't know what they were doing. Well, are they supposed? Is it supposed to be one thing for each event, or is it like? Am I missing? How something? much is the entry? Well, the, some of them are. Some of them are ten dollars. That's yeah, the cheapest. Just infinite value. Okay. You can. I was can... wondering. I was wondering if there was like something I was missing. Nope, you can ship all of them to me. I'll buy all of them off you. We'll make it easy. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I have a I stack will... of GP Chicago, the misprinted dragon mats, and then we got a bunch of batter skulls because Pastimes was like, oh, here's a batter skull promo. And then a judge just walked around with like a handful of them and he's like, hey, did anyone not get their promo? And every magic player raised their hand. And then like at the beginning of the side events, back when I played side events, Another judge came around. He's like, hey, guys, here's your promos for the event. So people were just dropping, registering for the next event and just kept doing it. Well, that's really scummy. And uh, if I remember correctly, some guy got banned and like for, for an extended period of time for lying to a judge because he got the second like flooded strand promo or Correct. some shit. This was in 2013. Yeah, this is. I'm not trying to do that. I'm literally just yeah. trying to enter the event to buy the promo to drop from the event. Yep. It's free real estate. So where yeah. can people find you and your epic adventure of free promos next week? Well, they're not free. I have to I have to spend money to make money, but 
you know, that's how it is. Uh, my name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHRST underscore. You can find me uh, at the Emerald City Comic Con uh, next Sunday. What is it? The 17th. Um, yep. And you can find me on this lovely podcast. Uh, I'm Edward. You guys can find me on Twitter at Edwin13. Uh, I will be at the Star City Regionals in New Jersey this weekend. And then I will be in Gamma next week and Tampa the week after that uh, with Tales of Adventure. I'll be at Gamma. I'll be at Kyoto. That's pretty much it. So I will try to record from Japan. I actually forgot about that. So we'll see what happens. Got to pull Ned. Um, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud. Our sponsor is CoolStuffInc.com, YouTube, all those fun places. And uh, yeah. Wait, did I miss anyone? We get everything out? <laughs> I think you covered all of our bases. Yeah. we're, we're right, go, well, Thanks we're for well listening today. to Cartel Aristocrats. We appreciate your support. We will see you next week with more sealed beta starters. And as always, bye-bye. <laughs>